Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and I'm joined by Thomas Majors. Thomas, this is the Wednesday of the Mississippi Baptist Convention. We are recording in our makeshift studio at the Grand Cabot Lodge. How prestigious. And we are joined today by our dear friend, Dr. John Bowler. John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Thomas, for for having me on this podcast. Um, I am pastor of First Baptist Church, Grenada, Mississippi, originally from the DeSoto County area, Hernando, Mississippi, uh, to be specific. Graduate of Blue Mountain College. That's where I met my wife, Elizabeth, and we have been married for 19 years now. And uh, we have uh, three children, John Michael, who is 17, Joe Lee, who is 11, Joel, who is nine, and uh, a precious girl named Lily in heaven today. Um, after Blue Mountain, uh, did some youth ministry work for several years, and then pastored my first church there in Hernando, Trinity Baptist. From there, God called us to uh, Calvary Baptist in Fulton, and then from there went to Holly Baptist in Corinth, and then from, uh, from Holly, we're now at First Grenada. After my time at Blue Mountain, went over to Mid-America Seminary, and that's where I got my Master of Divinity a degree in pastoral ministries, and then later uh, did my doctoral work at Southern Seminary uh, with a Doctor of Ministry in Expository Preaching. So today we're talking about Sunday school. Now, I, I actually pastor Holly Baptist Church, and Brother John was the uh, former pastor there. I followed him. And one of the great successes he had at Holly Baptist Church was the revitalization of the Sunday school time or the Sunday school ministry. It went from, um, would we say that would be approximately 50 to 55% growth in the seven, That's right. seven years or eight years you were there? Eight years. Eight years that you were there. So, so definitely a revitalization of the Sunday school. By Sunday school, I mean a specific time of teaching that is connected very close to the main worship service. It happens on the campus of the church, and it is connected to this time of worship within either before or after the main worship uh, setting. So, Brother John, with that understanding of Sunday school, so, Brother John, help us understand a little bit about Sunday school. Is it part of discipleship? Is it evangelistic outreach? Or is it a combination of the two? What's your thoughts? Okay. Well, Sunday school, my background in Sunday school is much like what you just mentioned, Thomas, about being, I guess you would call it a traditional format, an hour before the worship service, or in some cases, the hour after worship service on campus. I know other people do it differently. Uh, some may go outside the campus or do it in homes or things of that nature. But, th- but what I'm used to is in more traditional format. When you use the word discipleship and evangelism, to me, that's the same thing. To see somebody come to know Christ and to disciple them is its kind of a both and. You've got to do both of them. I believe that Sunday school is the most important hour on Sunday. That's hard coming from a preacher because you want 
you think the worship service and the preaching is the most important hour. And here's why I think that Sunday school is the most important hour is because most of your people that come to Sunday school will stay for worship. Not everybody who goes to worship will be involved in a Sunday school class. So if you make Sunday school the priority of your church, the majority of them will stay for your worship hour. So I believe that when you're talking about discipleship and evangelism, your Sunday school is the beginning of ministry for an individual and not the end. What I mean by that is somebody can come to a Sunday school class who's lost, and I pray that through a Sunday school class and a Bible study, that there's a teacher or a member who can share the gospel and lead that person to faith in Christ. At the same time, you may have someone who has been in Sunday school for 20 years that is growing in their faith. If they look at Sunday school as the beginning of ministry and not the end, it changes everything. What I mean by beginning, when somebody is involved in a Sunday school class, God may put upon their heart to go and to teach another class. So it's not the end of ministry, it's the beginning. God may put on their heart to go help launch a new class. The Lord may put on their heart to go help in children's ministry or youth ministry. So if it's the beginning of ministry, discipleship or evangelism, the doors may be open for for so many different things. And I think if every member of the church or everybody involved in Sunday school would look at it through that framework as a beginning. It would open up a whole lot of doors, and it would change the whole trajectory of your church of what ministry and evangelism is all about. I've got a question uh, related to uh, your statement that it's the most important hour on Sunday. And, And my statement would be, of course, most of our Sunday schools I don't know how it is at, at First Baptist Grenada. Uh, I do know how it is at Holly, and that is it's basically based upon the, the idea of the homogeneous unit principle that you grab, you gather people together who are around the same age, same ideas, that sort of thing, and it's based learning about that. So do you think we're losing something by making Sunday school, it's not multi-generational. Uh, and whereas the worship service is multi-generational, you have an older person sitting beside a younger person. You have the aspect of singing and worship. Uh, so what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Now, that's a little bit of pushback for me about, you know, it being the most important hour. How, w- how would you respond? Well, Sunday school and worship, I see it as two different things. What you have in worship is is you're you're correct. You've got the senior adult worshiping right next to uh, a fifth grader, and and that's that's the church. But the purpose of Sunday school, I would see, would be a little bit different. Yes, you do teach. Yes, you do. Uh, you do have some more of a lecture style. Others maybe more of a facilitator style. But you've got a specific purpose. And for the most part, it is among 
people of like age or even maybe like interest. You are trying to uh, disciple and to pour into a small group. I would see that a little bit differently than from the worship service. The worship service is is um, churchwide worship and preaching with with all different types of ages. But Sunday school would be a specific uh, a specific target. So in the worship service, preaching, we're all pastors. We preach multiple times each week. In every sermon, we try to have points of application. So I think what you would say about about Sunday school is not just teaching, here's information, uh, and, you know, receive this information. But there's a point of application where you're following Christ, you're following the commandments, you're following, uh, you're following the commands of Scripture, and, and, you, and you learn the application during the point of Sunday school, and that bleeds through in every other aspect of a, of a person or a church's ministry. That's right. And in, in a lot of Sunday school classes, you'll have discussion opportunities. You're not going to have that. We don't have that at First Grenada during the preaching. I, I want to preach, and I'd love to hear some amens and things of that nature, but somebody standing up asking a question, that's that's not really the purpose of that. But Sunday school it is, and that's that's why I look at it as a little bit different from the worship service because in Sunday school you can't ask that question. You can stop and and spend a little extra time on a verse that doesn't make is not clear to someone that teacher is prepared and, and they can explain that a little bit better. Well, John, for our listeners who may be Sunday school teachers or who may be pastors who would like to train Sunday school teachers in their churches, do you have any advice? Let me just share a couple of things that, uh, that I think would make a Sunday school teacher an even better teacher. I, I believe all Sunday school teachers want to be a great teacher. I think the first one is is to know your know your literature options. Now we're we're Southern Baptists, so we we know what's available. Whether it's through Lifeway, there's different material like Bible Studies for Life, Explore the Bible, Gospel Project, uh, and some other literature options that are out there. There are over the last several years, there has been a a growth on the internet, internet Bible studies from smallgroup.com, which is available. A lot of the young adults take advantage of that. Some of those Bible studies are video-based, and that's a wonderful study. So I would, I would say to, to know your literature options, know what's available. If you're not happy with what you are currently teaching, uh, to talk to your pastor. If you have a minister of education or your Sunday school director, and just see what's available through, uh, through different literature options. So let me ask you this. If you're going to revitalize a Sunday school ministry, do you prefer to have all of your classes on one curriculum, or do you prefer to have classes on different curriculum? That's a, that's a good question. I'm going to answer it by sharing what happened at Holly and then what's going on at First Grenada. When I was at Holly, we did transition to everybody being on the same literature. The the blessing for that is if you have a guest who comes into a class, they can visit any class, and everybody's teaching the same thing. So they may not 
fit in with a certain class and they go visit another one the next week, they know what the lesson is about. That is, that's one of the positives of being on the same curriculum. When I came to First Grenada, that was one of my desires because nobody was, uh, everybody was not on the same literature options. And I, I pushed that a little bit. And what I found out was in a, in a larger Sunday school setting, that's, that's a little bit more difficult. The main reason is, is that there's different teaching styles. When I got to First Baptist Grenada, there were three or four teachers that did not even use any literature at all. They were very skilled in teaching the Bible, and they would just simply go through, the, go through a book of the Bible. And I didn't want to put them on a literature that for the last 15 years, they've been just walking through a book of the Bible and teaching very, very well. So at First Grenada, every teacher is teaching, but not every person is teaching the same thing. So I don't think it's a set way. You have to do it this way. I would say in your church, what works best for you? The main thing is, is to have your teachers teaching. I think a um, sub point of that would be the literature. But the main thing is you feed your small group. In your training of leaders, how do you... How do you encourage them to use their time? Okay, time management for a Sunday school teacher is very important. If they're not managing that time well, then nobody wants to go to the class. Uh, so, so kind of walk us through how you would help someone manage their time or where do you put the priorities on time management for that class? One of the, the ways to make a Sunday school class not effective is to not start on time. If I've heard it once, I've heard it 10 times, we're going to start when everybody gets here. And if, if your Sunday school starts at nine o'clock and you start at nine 30, that's, that's not going to make an effective class. And right. here's the reason why when guests come to Sunday school, they're going to show up early. They don't know where they're going. They don't know the building. They don't know the layout. If they have children, they know they've got to get them into children and drop them off in the children's area. They don't want to be late. So I encourage my teachers, and this is, this is a challenge, to encourage my teachers that when class starts, whatever time that is, make that when you start. I realize some people may not be there yet. But you continue to start on time. Eventually, they're either going to change and get there a little bit early, or they're just going to have to walk in late every day. So I would, every Sunday, I would encourage our teachers to start on time and then use that time effective. I'm not saying you got to use the whole, if you've got an hour or if you've got an hour and 15 minutes to go from, um, we would say, bell to bell, or, or, but to, to use it effective. If you're, if you're, teaching opportunities only 20 minutes, but it is quality teaching, then that's okay. Then you'll have some time of fellowship. You got some time to catch up through the week, have some time for prayer. I think every Sunday school class ought to have a, an ongoing prayer list and, and spend some time during that hour to pray. So uh, for instance, our Sunday school starts at 915. Not all of our classes start at 915, but we start at 915 and usually go to about 10 to 10 15 
So use that opportunity to teach, but also to pray, to fellowship, to encourage one another. I think that's the best way to to effectively use your time in Sunday school. John, I have a question. When we talk about Sunday school classes, we typically want our Sunday school classes to be successful. And too often, we judge success by a certain number. However, in successful Sunday school classes, the question is always asked, when is a class too large or when has a class been too successful? I think a lot of times the success is predicated upon the, the pattern of the teacher or maybe maybe a, someone in that class. And if you were to split that class, how does how does that happen? What are, what are your thoughts on that Sunday school class that seems to do everything right? When, when someone goes in, they don't search for another Sunday school class. They stay. They like it. They identify with it. And and what, what are your thoughts on splitting, or we might even want to say multiplying out of that Sunday school class? We don't split class? Sunday school classes. That's exactly what I think. You do not split them. <laughs> you birth yeah. them. You birth them. What are, your, what, are you a birther, John? What do you think about that, buddy? <laughs> I, I am, because if you look at Sunday school, as the beginning of ministry, not the end, then, then you'll see it as a, as a growth principle. Sun, splitting a Sunday school class or birthing a Sunday school class is, is almost like birthing another worship service. If, if, your, son, if your worship attendance, you're, you're over 80% full, you have no room, nobody would say, well, I just don't want anybody else to come. One of the hardest things to do is to add a second service. We did that at Holly, and there were some challenges there. But we wanted to see more people come to worship. We wanted to, to continue to invite our family and our friends. In, in Sunday school, there is no magic number. I know classes that had 15, and, but they were too large. But I've also known classes that ran 50, and they were not too large. Here's the reason why. I believe a class becomes too large for two reasons. Number one, if somebody is not there on that Sunday and nobody knows it, that's too big. Mm. That also, is really good. If, if you can't minister to the class, it's become too large. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me mention this. The largest Sunday school class at the church I serve as pastor is the most coordinated in their ministry. I think that's partly why they are that large. Uh, they have a care coordinator. If someone is out, they have a prayer coordinator. If there is a prayer need, they do uh, uh, every other month. They have fellowships. They they every uh, every other meeting is fellowship at the church on a Tuesday or Thursday night, and then a restaurant. And so they they so they get together what, six times during the year. And that class, I think part of their success, the teacher is fantastic. The teacher is fantastic. We've had many fantastic teachers, but I think a lot of it is predicated upon when someone new attends that class, they're treated just like a visitor out in big church. They get a call, you know, they get a, they get a text, they get a, Hey, we want you to come back again. Someone misses, they, they, they contact that person. So man, I've never heard, I've never heard it specifically say what you just said about when a church is too large, but you're right. It's not a number. It's the ministry. That's if right. the ministry is failing, because of whatever reason, then it's time to do something else. But a large Sunday school class, if they're actively ministering, there's no need to split that 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 class. But I, I like would that. also challenge that class if they're doing all those things right, which it sounds like they are, and, and you don't want to 
rock the boat and change that class. But church growth, we know, is not by additions. It's by multiplication. Sure. And if you want to, uh, Sunday school is a a pyramid principle. If you want to grow, you've got to enlarge the base. If that class is doing everything right, I would I would challenge them to step out of the box and to step out of the boat and raise up a new teacher to send out to, and send to out. replicate the process. You're not you're not splitting the class. You are you are making disciples and raising up that next generation, that next class. I've seen teachers do that. I've seen classes do that. When you have fellowship time, everybody comes back together. You may have yeah. four classes, but it's really one class that has birthed three. So you still have your fellowship time. But we, we the old principle, you can't outgive God. You, you, you give God 10 and they go off and start a new class. God will give you 12 back. I've seen it all through ministry that if you will challenge people to step out of their comfort zone and to go, and it's not going to be everybody. In the class. If you've got 30 in the class, you're looking at a third of them. You're looking at about 10 to pray. Say, I don't know who the 10 are, but who are the 10 here that will step out and, and birth a new class? Because even though a guest may feel welcomed in there, a lot of guests are going to be intimidated if they walk into a class and there's 30 people, regardless of how loving they are. But they may go to a new class that's perfectly brand new. That's a perfect opportunity to reach people who are not already in Sunday school. So uh, that's that's why it's one of those things that's got to be Holy Spirit led. It's got the Holy Spirit has got to be on that teacher's heart, and it has to start from that teacher. Hey, next year, here's the teacher, and we're going to send ten of you guys off to start a new work. Let's just see what God can do. And it's it's amazing to see the different things. That uh, that God was. I'm thinking of a Thomas of a church at Holly, a Sunday school teacher who's because of his health is no longer able to teach. I'm not sure how many classes or people he sent out in seven years, eight years at Holly. And when I left, his class was still the largest class at Holly because it seemed like every time ten would leave, the Lord would bring twelve back. And it's just amazing to see that. And he really ministers to his people. He does. He he sends out cards. He calls. He is a person who has bowels of compassion. He is That's a right. person. He loves people. He loves to talk. And and when a person comes into his class, or he doesn't teach anymore, but they felt welcome and they felt connected, and he made them feel like family. And that's the reason it would grow so much. He ministered to his class. And, hey, let and me that's ask very you important. something. I don't know who the person is. Steen is that Dalton. guy? What'd you say? Steen Dalton. Mr. Dalton. Right. I knew him from Kosuth Elementary School. Okay. Is, was he also a deacon? Yes. Yes. I, I found that good Sunday school teachers make really good deacons and really good deacons make really good Sunday school teachers. Yeah. 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 Service. Service is about service. Well, yeah, the role of a deacon is to serve. And if they are a part of a Sunday school class, they're fulfilling their duties of a deacon to serve and to minister. And if you have several deacons who are Sunday school teachers, it makes your deacons meetings a little more practical as well because you're talking about your Sunday school classes and ways you can serve. And if your church has a family ministry plan, 
you're talking about members in your Sunday school class, but also guests that may have come in that we're trying to minister to as well. Brother John, before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you would like to say about Sunday school that we haven't asked and that's just, I don't know, that's just burning within your heart that you want to say? I will. Let me close with this. I, there, There's a challenge that I tell my Sunday school teachers, and, and I believe anybody that's listening that's involved in a Sunday school class or is a Sunday school teacher, you want your class to grow. The best way to do that is through prayer. I would encourage every Sunday school class to put an empty chair in their classroom on purpose. You can put a, a sign on it, however you want to do it, but that chair is the person that you're praying for. So you're praying for the person who's not there yet. And when That's God good. brings that person, then you just have another empty chair. So every time you come in, if there's 10 people there, you may have 11 chairs because you're always going to have an empty seat. And that's a reminder. We're praying for the person who's not here yet. And when that person comes, you don't have to tell them, now, th now this is your seat. We've been praying for you. You don't have to say <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but to know that Sunday school is an outreach. It's not inward focused. It's always outward focused. So set up that empty chair and pray over that chair every Sunday until God fills it up. When God fills it up, bring in another chair. That's one of the easiest ways to know and to keep Sunday school uh, as an outward focus of the local body of Christ. I really like that. And, and what, are, what are we communicating when a person comes into that Sunday school room and there's not a chair and there's not a book? That's right. And we're communicating something when we yeah, do we that. Thank you so much for listening to the Ministry Marks podcast with Dr. John Bowler. Please join us again next time. Thank you.